Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. <laughs> yeah. It's been two weeks, three weeks. Yeah. Oh, man, some... I, forgot to open my, I forgot to open my beverage off... Uh... Well, it's not an alcoholic, so you're okay. Oh, I'm good. It's, and fam- I'm still it's not friendly. sponsored by No Name Blue Can. Yeah, No Name Blue Can really needs to get on that. That's a really That's, good uh, one. featured in the background in That's multiple nice. places. Where'd, where'd you get that from? Clapton, Captain Cleveland got that for me. He did. Yeah. What's it hold like four cans? I think maybe three if you stack them just right. <laughs> I had a uh, teacher in high school. He taught in applied science. You got a degree in that. Do you? Mm-hmm. And he, he taught us that um, the best way to stack adult beverages is in a pyramid form inside <laughs> of a refrigerator because it gets the proper flow of or surface area for cooling. You know what's uh, really ironic is this is the one thing that you actually remembered from school. <laughs> and I don't drink. <laughs> I first met you. I got Whenever the, you were the pretend Russian guy, yeah, yeah, I was pretty sure you were also a real alcoholic. No, that was water. Most people didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I did. I did spill the beans to you for that. Every now and then, I'll, I'll have something, but very, very rarely. Yeah, see, I don't drink at all. A lot of people yeah. don't realize that about me. Yeah, we're boring. I used to be a bartender in life. Really? Yeah, I was a bartender, licensed bartender for like twelve years. Do you still have that license? No, I don't. I gave it up, but. Uh, I even actually had a few specialty drinks where I bartended at. Really? One was called the Purple Martian. Oh, do tell. I don't remember what was in it. Sounds but, like uh, sweet tarts. Well, I had a, I had a, it was, it looked like purple Kool-Aid. Okay. Keep in mind, I don't drink, so I don't even think if I even taste tested this thing. But I had a buddy that used to bartend slash work with me, and he did like to drink enough for both of us. Yeah. So he was my taste test dummy. <laughs> I had a lot of friends that like to drink enough for both of us. But if he said it was good early in the tasting, you had a chance. If he said it was good late in the tasting, it yeah. was probably just the alcohol telling them what was good or bad. Yeah. But, but, uh, but yeah, I had uh, that ended up making the menu list there. We had the Purple Martian. We had the yellow something else, man. This was years ago. You're really jogging my memory. But Where did you work at a bar? My uncle owned a bowling alley. Oh, okay. That makes um, sense. I kind of thought that, but wasn't so Yeah, so bartended sure. up there for... Uh, Okay. Bartended up there for, well, I worked there for 20 years, and I was, of course, when I first started working there, I wasn't old enough to serve, but once I got old right. enough to serve, I, I did that for a while. But 20 years, huh? Started there whenever I was 14. No kidding. Worked there all the way up until I was 34. <laughs> did you work at the dealership at the same time, or yep. was that? Okay, yeah. so you did two jobs. Uh, so I worked there through high school, through college, and through my first true job. Right. And uh, the last... Probably five years I worked there was just kind of like um, special events. Okay. Like I didn't have, I wasn't actually on the schedule. I just fill in. Right. But up until Jenna and I met, I was I was working there at least two nights a week. Oh, man. Uh, somebody forgot to turn the compressor off. What kind of amateur is this? I'll get it. Man, oh, man. If you guys can't tell, we are in the shop working. Shop slash uh, recording studio. One of these days, we're going to have to move that thing outside if we can remember to do that. But just uh, time, time, time. I see you found the magic switch down there. You found the magic switch? Yeah. Or move the compressor outside. One of these days. So do we have a do we have a subject tonight? Yes, actually. I was just gonna, right before the compressor cut me off, I was gonna say uh actually the compressor cut you on. Or is that right? Oh no, where'd the moats go? Oh dear. Okay. <laughs> um Yeah, before the compressor cut on, I was gonna say people probably think this is some kind of related to our topic, but really this is just me asking you questions I'm genuinely curious about. <laughs> yeah, I worked uh so anyways you had to finish it. So after Jen and I started dating and getting serious, I started cutting back into Bell and I and just kind of filled in. Right. And uh, the ironic part was 
grandma kind of hit on this at the last podcast, but it didn't make the podcast. Is my aunt and uncle just sold the bowling alley right here in the last couple of weeks? So my uh, bowling alley career is officially over with now. <laughs> Couldn't get because even 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 now, up to date, like up to like three or four weeks ago, we went bowling and the machine broke. It's just easier for me to go back there and fix it than <laughs> tell them at the counter. Like I don't have the patience for that. Yeah, and uh, and of course I guess you can't do that anymore then. Well, I'm pretty sure the new guy would be happy for me to jump in and help, but I'm not going to start that habit because once you start it, you can't quit it. Let it's me expected you. at that point. But, no, I'm happy for the new people that own it and happy for my family that sold it, and hopefully it all hopefully it all works out for everybody. I don't like bowling. Not with you. You're too good. <laughs> I'm only good because, yeah, I had I never paid for a game of bowling in my life. <laughs> That's the only reason I'm any good at it. <laughs> um. I guess to get rolling into our topic, if you can call it that. Um, basically, I've got some notes written here on my phone. I love how you have all these notes, but you don't tell me anything about what we're going to talk about. That's easier that way. Um, I don't know if that's better or worse, because whatever answer you're going to get out of my mouth is going to be uh, raw, mo- heat of the moment thoughts. I think that we should keep it that way, though. I don't want to do no edited or crap. I, my, I mean, my notes are barely notes if you could even call it that honestly it's it's uh throughout the day when i'm thinking of conversations that are or questions i might have for you and i'm like oh, i should ask mike that question get his opinion on it see what he thinks does my opinion really have any value though <sighs> not really so this is just for entertainment purposes only yeah i mean the the problem i think too is that my opinion didn't hold any value either so <laughs> <laughs> What's that say? Like we said from the beginning, we're just two idiots with microphones. (laughs) I don't know why people are still listening. We are smart enough. We figured out how to pay for them. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, Okay, so I guess this this kind of comes along with uh, you know making making big moves and and big changes in your life. Um, uh, My first question here would be how far ahead do you usually look to the future when you're making plans? And I think to preface this, something that I've heard you say, and like I say every now and then is that I think the problem anymore these days is that people don't ever look past the end of their nose. And I think we've had some guests on in the past that would agree with that. And they also see that kind of an issue. So my question is then how far past the end of your nose are you supposed to look? Oh, man. So that's a hard one to answer because there's different layers to it. Um, Like an onion. Yeah. And some of them will make you cry. Like an onion. So like some decisions, like how far do you look ahead? Like within an hour after eating breakfast, I'm trying to plan for lunch. So, you know, that one I'm looking. That's terrible advice. I don't eat lunch. So, so I'm not looking real far ahead on that one, mm-hmm. but with all, well, you know, all joking aside, uh, are, are, is this pertaining to life in general or running a business or which, which direction are you going here? I mean, I guess we could unpack it a little bit. Like, okay. So for example, I just bought property out here. Mm-hmm. You just bought property out here. I did. Um, oh yeah. I always forget to have that. Did they, they know about that, right? Yeah, I think so. They watch Mr. Beverage. It's not been on my channel yet. Oh, yeah, that's right. But the video of looking or or driving around it with the Rangers on. Yeah, if you guys watch Mrs. Dirt Perfect's channel, uh, you'll realize that uh, that you'll see see that uh, Jenna and I just bought basically 156 acres, Mm -hmm. half farm ground, half timber ground. Um, No real... Reason for the property other than um, have opportunities for our kids and an investment opportunity. That's mm-hmm. we're not moving, not building a shop, not doing anything like that. Uh, if you're interested in it, there is videos on Jenna's channel, Mrs. Dirt Perfect, about uh, that particular purchase in the property. Mm-hmm. You just bought 40, 35, 40 acres, yeah, somewhere around there. Uh, yours has infrastructure on it, house, yes. barn, pond. Um, and I guess, uh, you know, it wasn't a, I don't know how to say this. It wasn't a, a large chunk of money, but it, it wasn't a small it chunk was of substantial. money. It was substantial. I mean, it, yeah. was, it was years worth of salaries. Yeah. Um, and basically, in my situation, you know, there's a lot of moving parts here. Uh, talking about relocating our entire lives, uh, uh, careers, 
throw a kid into the mix um, and how to make it work. Right. So, I mean, for us, I, hell, I we started planning that two two years ago. Yeah, I guess to kind of um, start answering your question, you, you think this would be a sample answer, but it's not. But you almost have to categorize things and have set timelines for them. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if it makes more sense to go to the big ones and work your way back or go to the small ones and work your way forward. But, you know, with me in the business, it's almost hard to plan probably more than three years in advance because my business is changing so quick. I don't really know which direction. Like three years ago, um, I had no intentions of laying the first piece of field tile in my life. Right. This year, field tile is going to be 30% of my business. Oh, speaking of field tile, I have a note here. Um, Tina Spann wants to know why it's called tile. Why field tile is called tile? Because back in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and even up into the 70s, they used to actually lay clay pipe, and they called it clay tile. Okay. And um, that's where the terminology come from is tiling a field as you lay clay tile or clay pipe in there. And basically they just loose fit the joints together and that's how the water seeped into it. Mm-hmm. Um, that tile system is far superior to anything we install today. But right. as, as, but as you can imagine, it's way more labor intensive and yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's not. So I guess like how ceramic tile on a floor typically has grout lines. Yeah. Be the spacing you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, okay. you just and and then in later years, and I think there's even something on my channel of of touring that uh, tile factory that we had close. Mm-hmm. They actually did perforate the clay pipe. Okay, uh, but uh, that's why it's called field tile. It's just kind of stuck. It's just kind of been the way mm-hmm. it's went over the years. Yeah, not to derail the conversation, but no, we do no, get emails with questions, and I got to try and figure out how I can answer them. Yeah, no, that's a good question, and and a lot of the in. Our fields down here in front of the house where we've been working, they got clay tile in them. Really? And, um, you know, as long as it's not disturbed, them old timers were good. Yeah. I mean, they knew what they were doing, and that stuff is, it's insane how good a job they did and how well it still works. Right. uh, So, you know, as far as the business goes, you know, I try to have, I wouldn't even call them goals, but I try to have a direction of where I want to be at in three or five years. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's got to be fluid and you got to be able to a change pass because in field tile is a great example. Three years ago, I didn't install one piece of field tile. This year, we're going to install 100,000 feet of field tile and build a special attachment to do so. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, that goes back to having your business positioned to be able to side shift a direction wherever you see an opportunity. Right. And capitalize on it and make profit. And that goes back to the previous podcast we talked about where I don't spend a whole lot of money on new specialized equipment that's good at one thing. Right. I like to diversify my equipment portfolio and have options to do a lot of different things. So if I see a, I'm going to use field tiles and opportunities, it's or as an example, because it is a real life example, I see an opportunity to go off a direction. We're going to head off a direction and take advantage of it now in three years is Am I still going to be doing field tile or is it going to be doing, you know, pouring concrete piers? I'm just right pouring up, pulling up some other random, uh, random thing here. So with the business, you got your immediate workload schedule. So you've got to be looking out as far as whatever your immediate workload is. We're usually six to eight months out. Um, and then you're, you're kind of keeping an eye on in today's market. You got to be keeping an eye on material prices, fuel prices, mm-hmm. Maybe maybe we buy something now for something we're going to do in two months because we know a price increase is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so that as far as the workload goes, we're six to eight months out. As far as like staging the equipment and finances, we're probably work on about a three year out. Um, as far as uh, the rest of the business, it's as far as the five, ten, and fifteen year plan. As far as me, it's just kind of judging the size and the scale of the company I want. Mm-hmm. Um, my biggest problem, and I know this sounds crazy and people are going to think I'm insane. My biggest problem is staying small. Uh, if I really wanted to, I could probably have 15, 20 guys working and three or four crews and um, probably not even have to buy a whole lot of equipment to do it. I mean, there's just that much work out there available. Right. But I don't, that's not what I want. You've been there 
done that. I've been there, done that, and then I don't get to do what I enjoy. And what I enjoy is running that equipment. Mm-hmm. And um, so I have no intentions of growing to that scale. So my plan is, is how do I maximize, how do I critique and streamline and maximize my time over the next three to five years to where I can kick more work out with the same amount of people and the same amount of resources and the same amount of time. Right. Um, and that's kind of how I look as far as the business going forward. You know, one huge part of that is is, is uh, controlling overhead. The biggest part of overhead is usually your debt and operating expenses. So um, not to get too far into detail with the, with the P&L or the balance sheet of the, of the company, but we're not leveraged hardly at all, mm-hmm. you know. Um, we do have some bank notes on some things, but uh, it's just basically to keep credit going and and do what you need to do business with. Um, <clears throat> I can very easily be zero debt at pretty much any given time if I needed to be. Right. So there's that. But the, the other flip side of that is is I make money. I am the most profitable whenever I'm sitting in a seating machine. Mm-hmm. I'm not being cocky, not being arrogant. I'm not being any of those things. But people hire me, and there's very few people that can do what I do around here. So, and what makes me profitable is two things. The quality of work, which drives work, mm-hmm. availability of it, and the efficiency of what I can get it done. Um. So me realizing what I need to do is to sit in that seat. Well, I get 15, 20 phone calls, emails, text messages a day wanting me to go look at this, go look at that, come over here, look at this. And you start taking yourself out of the seat of the machine for three or four hours a day to run around and look at jobs and do stuff like that. It's a double-edged sword. One, you got to be doing that because you got to keep work coming in. But two, wait a minute, I'm not sitting in that machine no more. And if I'm not sitting in it, either one, somebody's running it that's not as efficient as I am, or it's not running at all. So now you got a problem, right? Which is the worst. <laughs> right. And um, maybe we'll get into a whole other podcast at some point with Mr. Millennial about building jo- bidding jobs. But that's where Matt helps me become extremely efficient because he's weeding through all these job leads, mm-hmm. finding out which ones are legit potentials. And uh, he may talk to a customer for six, eight months, you know, trying to get the details on a job worked out, and we'll get it and go. And and it's much more profitable for me to pay him a commission to bid jobs right? than what it is for me to stop what I'm doing and go do that work. And so then you got the argument. Um, well, what if Matt screwed this up, and what if he's not as profitable as what you did? And there's jobs that I pull up on, and I'm like, what the heck are you thinking? But at the end of the day, we're probably still money ahead because I was making money while he was out doing this. We're still going to make money on this one. We're going to learn. We're going to move on and go to the next one. Mm-hmm. It, it, it it washes out. So I'm kind of getting off subject here of the goals, but it also kind of fits into the thought process of is, my goal over the next five years of the business is how to improve uh, time management, I think, is a, is a huge, huge part of that. So uh, I guess to elaborate on that even farther, business kind of bleeds over into personal. I don't think anybody wants to be working their butt off when they're 60 or 70 to make payments and do stuff like that. No, I think that's pretty fair to say. So at some point, if you're – doing what you're supposed to be doing and you're doing it right, you should be making enough money and you got to be thinking about your kids' future, your future. Right. And, you know, either making investments or positioning yourself with what, however you want to see fit, crypto, coins, stocks, bonds, lands, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever you need to do, you know, that's looking looking a good way down the road to kind of see what, uh, what options and stuff are um, – what options and stuff are out there, you know? So basically you have your short-term short term plans and goals, and you have your, I don't even know what you would consider intermediate. that. Intermediate, I guess. And then your, your long-term is your uh, retirement and kids' lives. And so that would be like, 
15 to say 25 years ahead for most people. Right. I, I think one thing that may be worth noting is, is I think your short term and your intermediate goals or your intermediate plans don't need to be set in stone plans. Those plans need to have forks on the road. You need to be able to go left or right as needed. Did you read my damn list? No, I didn't. <laughs> but your long-term plan, I think, needs to be a pretty straight and narrow road with no turns. Does that make sense? It does. I, I agree with you. Um, I mean, I have, I, I have, I have the actual play of uh, mine and my wife's retirement, you know, written out already, and. Um, I would say that it does change from time to time, but it only it I'll only change it for the better. Basically, right. I will not compromise on anything re- regarding it. Um, but if I can find a way to enrich it, then I'll make the necessary changes for that. If that makes sense. Yeah, and I don't want to sit here and act like I do everything just perfect. There's probably um, I could probably be doing more with investments. Yeah, but. The point that I'm, I'm at least I'm trying to portray here is that you might not do it perfect, but you're thinking about it. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Jenna's got a retirement. I got two or three retirements. I consider this land investment a long term investment. I mean, yeah. I have no intentions of doing anything with it for ten or fifteen years. But if you needed to, you could. But if I, in ten or fifteen years, if I want a hobby project, I don't know if I'd want to go spend three quarters of a million dollars right for a hobby project. But spending it now and then having it available to me later, yeah. Hey, you know what? I could I could definitely probably do something with this if I wanted to. Right. And uh you know, my definition of retirement's not quit working, it's do what I want to, not what I have to. Uh similar. I wanna my definition of retirement is basically I wanna be able to wake up and say, All right, I'm gonna do this today or I'm gonna do that today or I I feel like maybe I'll see what Mike's doing if he, he needs a hand with something or you know, I don't right. I don't want to have to set my alarm for four o'clock anymore and go, Oh, I got to go to work and I got to make employer money. And I got X, Y, and Z that I've got to accomplish. And then when I get home from work, I still have to do this and that and the other thing for, you know, um, I want to kind of be in a position where I don't have to worry about bills. I don't have to worry about much of an income because I've spent a lot of time making it so I don't need to. Yeah, doing what doing what you enjoy. So now <laughs> with all that being said, what most people may not know about me is is um as much as I like to plan and think ahead and have a big scheme of things, I'm also a figured out as I go guy. <laughs> yeah, you are. Um but I there is a there's a time and a place for that and I you know, I don't think you're as much of a figure it out by the seat of your pants guy as a lot of people think you are. Um, I think you're a look at it quickly and kind of visualize the end product. So you have the beginning and the end and you just kind of fill the middle in. Yeah. I'm going to use YouTube for an example on this is so many people fall into the trap of I tried that, it did not work. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a horrible, horrible, horrible thing. And it, it, for YouTube, for example, you get so many people, they'll post one or two videos. It'll get hardly any views. Well, this is stupid. It ain't going to work. I'm done with this. Right. My first five or six videos I posted probably didn't even get 100 views. Mm-hmm. But whenever I decided to do YouTube, I was going to do it for one year. I feel like I needed to owe it to myself for one year to see if it was legit. And maybe I'm a little bit of an anomaly. I don't know. But, you know, a month and a half, two months into it, I started catching some steam. And by the time I got to the year mark, we were moving pretty good. And and things have continued to move pretty good. Mm -hmm. But apply that to other things. You know, you get people that are going to go into the lawn mowing business and they mow one lawn. They're like, well, this is stupid. I only made 40 bucks and all this money invested and I'm out. Well, you know, if you would have stick with that for six months and you're mowing ten lawns, yeah, and now you're making four hundred dollars every week, right? You know, it's like, um, so to full circle this back around to I'm a figure it out guy. 
I think a more important part of that is twofold. Is one, whenever I make a decision, I do not look back. I do not second guess it. I made that decision. We're going to move forward. We're going to figure out how to make it work. It is what it is. Um, me and Jenna have this argument all the time because we'll, we'll, we'll spend 45 minutes making a decision. And two hours later, we're second guessing it. I'm like, no, that damn decision's over. We ain't talking about it no more. We're going on. Mm-hmm. Period. Yeah, well, what if it's the wrong decision? Well, it's time to carry it out anyway. It's, it's, who gives a crap? It don't yeah. matter if it's the wrong decision or the right decision. We made the damn decision. We're moving forward. If it's the wrong decision, it's going to be a lesson. Yeah. You know. It's, and the second part is is you got to give stuff due time to play out. you got to put legit effort and time into it to make to gauge your results. You can't, you can't gauge your result on a small sample size, whether it's running a business or starting YouTube or or maybe even investing in crypto coin or buying and selling gold. You gotta you gotta legitimately give it time to materialize and make a good decision on whether it is a good or bad decision. Right. So, you know, so people are so quick to so quick to judge or so quick to jump on or off the bandwagon that uh, I think they miss and piss away a whole lot of opportunities. Uh, there's something to be said about if you've got uh, 10 hours worth of energy for the day, do you spend 10 hours on one thing and, and do it well, or do you spend an hour on 10 things and do it right. not well kind of thing? I think I see a lot of that in people, um, especially in a, the lawn mowing was a good example. A lot of people are like that, and they go out and they buy all this equipment, and they're like, oh, I'm going to be a landscaper. You know, I'm going to make – and that, the other thing, too, is – unrealistic expectations. I'm going to make $50,000 a month cutting grass um, because uh, LMNOP said it on YouTube that that's what they make. And, and I ran the numbers in a perfect world and like I could do it too. And then they go out and then they, they give it a good effort, but they, they make $5,000. I see so many people um, even here locally. I can think of three or four of them off the top of my head. They go out and buy, one or two pieces of equipment. They're going to get in the excavating business for the first year. They're all gung ho. They're just really pounding them out. And then all of a sudden they just yep. disappear. That's and, yeah. And you know, I know the newness wears off and no matter how fun it seems like in the beginning, eventually it does turn into work. Yeah. But you can't stop putting the effort into it if you want the result. Right. It, it's, you know, uh, so it's like a lot of things in life. You get out of it what you put into it. Absolutely. And, yeah. I mean, you got, I guess you're privy to some behind-the-scenes stuff with what I do, but um, there's, I'll let you jump in this because I don't want to speak for myself, but there's a whole hell of a lot more goes on than what's seen on social media. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It, um I mean, I put the time in. My family sometimes suffers, but it's the determination to uh, succeed, move forward, make sure I am positioned for them long-term goals. Um, and there's other people I know that run businesses similar to mine that are very successful. They don't put as much time into it as what I do, and they don't get as much out of it as what I do. Mm-hmm. It's, it's So at the end of the day, it's a decision you need to make. How much are you going to put in to get out? I think an interesting point that you said that I want to elaborate on a little bit is, uh, and this I guess this we're going to twist this into business for now. Um, a lot of people who want to work for themselves, they want to work for, that's great. They do everything right, you know, and they, they put all the effort in. But what they don't realize when they made all this planning you're not talking about doing this for a year and like, that's it. This is lifestyle this, change. Yeah. This is a long term investment. If you were going to run a business, if you were going to grow a business and, and be successful with it, this is, you're talking 15, 20 years of your life. And I think they, they don't, they don't plan for that. Yeah. I've been in business for going on 17 years. And I've had some good years, and I've had some bad years. But I'll be honest with you, I feel like I finally figured it out in the last five years. Mm-hmm. 
So thirteen years of trying. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the, I'm not saying you the, didn't. The previous do thirteen well. years yeah. weren't total failures, but I feel like in the last five years that I'm. I don't want to use confident as the word, but I, I feel like I've got enough experience under my belt to be really. You got a handle on it. Yeah, I, I know mm-hmm. if I know if I make decision A, the result's going to be this. Right. I've been there, done it enough. I know if I go down this road, the result's going to be that, which helps you steer. You know, you go down enough bad roads, you know what what the good roads to take. Yeah. Which is back to the point of if you make a decision to be self-employed, you're, you better be in it for the long haul or you're never going to be successful. Exactly. Everybody and wants to talk about these uh, spin-up over the night, you know, overnight millionaires. And I'd uh, say for every one Spin up over the night millionaire. There is a million failed exactly. attempts. You know exactly. Oh, there's a million guys that just do it the good old fashioned hard way with just you know determination and grit. Yeah. Um, but as far as like, I'm going to categorize butterflies and be a millionaire. You might you have a better chance of winning the lottery. Right. You know. Um, when you when you make big plans or or plan for big moves, do you tend to set rules or requirements along with them? So if if I'm going to do A, then one, two, and three have to be met, and if they are not, then I am not doing A? I should, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't. Um. So a lot of my decisions based around equipment mm-hmm. are kind of future workload versus state of the equipment. Uh-huh. So let's just back up to about four or five years ago. Uh, I knew we had a lot of excavator work. I knew the 120 was getting tired. Um, was maybe not going to be able to handle that workload. So, you know. Was it that long ago? Yeah. Um, so it, that drove the decision for the 140. Mm-hmm. At the at the time, the 140 was the logical decision because I didn't have a trailer to move anything bigger. I didn't. I wasn't really doing the bigger work I was doing now. But that that 300 coming is gonna. Oh, here we go. So you know, fast forward to now, which is four years later. Um, I have the bigger trailer. Mm-hmm. We're doing the bigger work. Um. So we're going, you know, fortunately with my, my relationship with Hyundai, they're going to allow us to demo a 210. Right. And there is a legitimate chance that the 210 may end up being purchased if it fits into the fleet. Mm-hmm. Um, the criteria for keeping the 210 is uh, basically demo it, see if we're comfortable enough to use it on some smaller jobs. To The 120 is not going nowhere, but there is a chance the 140 would go somewhere. So I need to make sure that 210 is nimble enough to step back to do some of these bigger, small jobs. Right. Where the one, I mean, the 120s, the 120s made its money. You need to make sure that the the 210 can the, the 120, comfortably fill the, the 140 shoes. Right. The, the 120 can't be running a thousand hours a year no more. It's right. just, that that it's not that machine no more. Mm-hmm. Um, ironically, in the last two years, it's actually got more hours on it than the 140. Ain't that well, crazy? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I was, we just changed oil. In. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. In the uh, 120 the other day, and I was looking at it, and last year I put like uh, 490 hours on the Volvo. Mm-hmm. I put 590 hours on the 120. <laughs> it just surprised. blows my mind. But anyways, uh, I, need to, I need to cut hours back on the 120, so I got to make sure whenever I make that decision, that that falls into the category. But basically, instead of meeting criteria A, B, and C, I analyze needs coming up. Mm-hmm. And then I try to, you know, as far as purchasing this 210, it's something I've been looking at for six, eight months. Um, every time for the last six or eight months, uh, every time I do a job with the 140, 
or I do a job with a 120, I'm like, okay, if I had a 210, what would this job look like? What would the money look like on it? What would the, there's so much more that goes into it. Right. Uh, what does transportation cost with permits? And it's heavier, so it costs more fuel to get there. It takes longer to chain down. I maybe not can't haul us into tighter spots. Um, you know, how much is it, more does it cost me to operate that machine as far as fuel consumption and time? What's the insurance on that machine? So in my head, I'm going through these scenarios, basically pretending, hey, if I had a 210 on this job, am I getting done faster? Because, you know what, if, if that 210's on the job, the actual job may get done faster, but how much extra time did I spend to get there? So you are essentially putting stipulations on the purchase in the form of a simulation in your head, more or less. Right. And you are... I guess at, at, if you have enough situation or enough simulations run through where it doesn't make economical sense for that purchase, then you just shoot it down altogether. Yeah. So whenever I bought the 140, mm-hmm. I tossed around the idea of buying a 160 or 180, something I could haul at the time. And I looked at fuel consumption, looked at mode cost, looked at the extra cost of the machine. And with the types of jobs we were doing there, from what I was running through in my head, it made absolutely no sense to buy a bigger machine. Mm-hmm. Now, like I said before, uh, times have changed a little bit. Now we're doing these different jobs. Well, now things change a little bit. So now I'm running those simulations in my head with a 210. And I still don't know what the answer is yet. I'm very, very, very fortunate. And I'm not going to say I'm not. that I have an awesome relationship with Hyundai. And they're like, hey, let's send you one, let you demo it and see what you think. And right. if it fits, it fits. So I don't have to run simulations no more. I'll get the real life experience. Right. Um, our bread and butter is still a lot of these smaller in out real quick jobs. And it's the many's one twenties and one forties. They are so dimple. They're so nice. Even doing field tile work, that mm-hmm. size machine is just phenomenal. Right. Awesome. So I don't know how that scenario is going to play out, but that's how I'm going to base my excavator purchase off of. I don't need three. I don't need a one twenty, a one forty, and a two ten. Everybody needs three excavators. Oh, I got three right now. I don't so, need a four. So you're going to sell the, the mini. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need a four. So I need to. I'm, I'm playing those scenarios out now. Let's talk about Bubba Dumper. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. He, is it Bubba Dumper or Bubba Dump? You call it whatever you want. I'm asking you. I'll have to ask Jenna. She's the one that named it. I think she's going to Bubba Dump. Bubba Dump. Okay, so yeah. Bubba. I guess that's Bubba Dump. If he's down, he's Bubba Dumper. If he's up. <laughs> According to Chris, it never drops. <laughs> so, but, you know, that I don't want to say that was an impulse buy because it wasn't an impulse buy. Um, I knew if I ended up with a 210 excavator that the most logical, next logical piece of equipment to have would be a haul truck. I would like to think that the reason that you bought Bubba Dump is because I was in the comments saying that you were buying haul truck. <laughs> <laughs> I would um, like to think that and I, I had And I played place. it up on social media a little bit that Chris, was, Chris Let's Dig was about influence. And, you know... That's not really true. I mean, me and Chris are good friends. Having a little fun on social media is the way it is, but I'm not going to make a business decision off that. Right. I'm going to make a business decision off what's coming up. Now, I have been shopping for a haul truck in the background for six, eight months. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were in Florida. This one showed itself, and I put a price on it. I wasn't going to go a penny over that price, and I figured if I could get it for that, I got myself a good deal. I mean, I bought it for $12,000 less than what it was listed on Machinery Trader for. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a guy could argue that the logical thing to do would be to buy a 210 excavator and then buy the haul truck. But yeah, but you can you can fill the the haul truck with the 120. Oh, I can just fine. I've, I've loaded it with both excavators. Yeah. It works just fine. But I mean, you, you can't. This oh. is where I got to. This is where I got to not blur uh, reality is because I have this extra thing that a lot of people don't have, which is YouTube. Mm -hmm. And showing up with a new piece of equipment, making videos on it, whether it's repairing it or using it, is definitely a huge bump for the channel. And what's good for the channel is good for me. Right. So if it wasn't for YouTube 
that purchase order probably wouldn't have made in that order. Um, even though that purchase would have been made, it just wouldn't have been made in that order. I would have been, I would have held off until I had a 210. Mm-hmm. And if I never bought a 210, or, or I, maybe this day I still don't, I probably would have focused more on getting Lieutenant Dan done. But right. That's a whole other conversation. So. So it's YouTube's fault that you're not doing Lieutenant Dan right it now. It is YouTube's fault. And you're doing Bubba Dump. Oh, the irony. Yeah, it is. that is true irony right there. Isn't it? So, I mean, I guess to answer your question, as I assess our workload probably coming up over the next year, mm-hmm. um, and usually towards the end of summer, you kind of know how good a year you had. Mm-hmm. Kind of got an idea of what's coming up next year a little bit, and you know how much money you may need to spend or not need to spend, and um, you know that may steer a few few decisions. I'm always thinking, you know, about things I want to upgrade or things I want to change. I'd love to get rid of the Kubota. I'd love to buy another small dozer with a cab on it, mm-hmm. but you know, where do they fall on the priority list? Sometimes right. it depends on what comes up for the right price at the right time. Yeah. Uh everything I got, knock on wood here today, is works. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not going down this road again just because I got old equipment don't mean it's not reliable. Yeah. I'll put my old stuff up against anybody's new stuff any day of the week. Oh yeah. Um except for one. And it may be painted orange. <laughs> it's kinda new. Um I guess my outlook on this is uh I'll use the the property purchase as an example um i ran numbers on that for february say five months realistic number scenarios um over and over again for about five months and if you ever get a chance to to talk to my wife at some point anybody listening she'll vouch for me um, and basically what I came up with is, uh, okay, well, I know the purchase price. I've got a very good idea of what my salary would be down, you know, in Indiana and, uh, to, to connect these dots in a way that I'm comfortable, I need to put, uh, is at least 18% down. I want to have X amount of money set aside in an account as an oh shit account. I want to have Y amount of money set aside for, you know, say six months of running. And uh, I want to have a job lined up. And, you know, we've, we've been able to check most of those boxes as we go. And and uh, I was, I'm very blunt and honest with, with Ashton. And it's like, uh, if we don't check all these boxes, it, it's going to have to wait. And at first she was kind of like taken back by that, but I think she realizes now and it's my boxes to be checked are realistic, you know, because I run the numbers and I know that they're obtainable. I'm not setting ridiculous goals. We've gone over that, but, um, I, I definitely have stipulations on, on big decisions that I, I tend to make. Um, I mean, that's financially as far as, spending money on a house. It could go down as small as, as buying a new tool or a piece of equipment. Um, well, that stupid uh, Milwaukee Pex crimper is a perfect example. <laughs> uh, I bought that because I thought I was going to have a big need for it. Ended up not really having a need for it. And um, I'm not really overly worried about it because I had two people lined up to buy it off me before I even bought it. Yeah. You know, so it's it's... I guess covering your bases before you take the leap of faith on something. I don't know. That that's how I tend to work. Um, yeah, you know, one thing, one thing I've kind of figured out, and it plays true with um, any big business decision, whether it's buying equipment or maybe changing directions or buying this property, is the thought of. Let's just use Bubba Dump as an example. The thought of buying that is exciting and new mm-hmm. and refreshing and, you know, all that stuff. And sometimes it's easy to get caught up in the moment of that. Absolutely. So if you have that thought and then two weeks later you still have that same thought, it's 
maybe it is a decent thought. Maybe there's right. more to it than just the, the excitement of something new. Yeah, maybe think on it a little bit more. Right. So, yeah. um, on that way, a lot, uh, you know, and I'll use this property we bought as an example. I seen it go up for sale. I called them. Price was, you know, a quarter million out of my price range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, man, if it's still there in 30 days, maybe I'll call them back and see what goes. So, of course, it's rolling around the back of my head. 35, 30 days later, I drive by it one day, and it's still available. And I'm like, hmm, maybe I should call and see what's going on with that. Because the thought of possibly owning that still made a lot of sense in a lot of different ways. Right. 45 days goes by, and... The realtor that has the property listed, which knew I was interested back in the day, she's like, are you still interested? And I think I might be. She goes, I think you need to put a reasonable offer in on it, and I think he's willing to sell. I said, all right. So I put in what I was able to pay. Mm-hmm. He accepted. So it went for, after we accepted, we had some survey issues and a few other things, and it took us like 40 Five days or almost 50 days to close on it. I remember that. That was stressful for you. And I knew I was making the right decision because I wasn't nervous about closing. Mm-hmm. I was wanting to get it closed before something went wrong when I didn't get it. Right. You know what I mean? And to me that, like, I've I've bought a piece of equipment or two, and after I bought it, I'm like, what the hell did I just do? You know yeah. what I mean? But I never had that thought. Buyer's remorse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, I just, I knew I made a, a, an emotionally rash decision versus an educated decision. But, mm-hmm. you know, with that property, I, I was, you know, the longer it went on, the more nervous I went to want to get it closed because you don't know. Yeah. You know, somebody, somebody could walk by all of a sudden and give them their Yeah, because the, the offer I made on it was well under asking price. Right. And so is somebody going to show up out of nowhere with asking price all of a sudden and bump me out? Right. Um. So if you're going to make a big decision, if you got the luxury of time to think about it for two weeks, um, let's just say hypothetically you're going to buy an excavator for your business. You don't have to buy the first one you can see. Just think about that excavator purchase in general, and then if if it's still a good decision, then set you a budget and go look for a machine. Let's put a monetary value on it. So my note here is how long do you think on these moves, and do you run scenarios to yourself, which we've pretty much covered, but... So let's just take an, the thing that you want is $50,000. Mm-hmm. Um, the scenario would be that you are able to afford it, maybe not comfortably, and it is definitely something that could be profitable for you. About how long are you going to think you found one? You know, like it, something showed up, it's, it's $50,000. How long are you going to sit there and think about it before you make the next step? So I I shop. This this may be a trade secret here, but I shop very weird. No. <laughs> Color me surprised. <laughs> so let's just say um, I, the one that comes to mind is buying the 850J. Okay. Uh, this was last year. So Matt picked up a couple pawn jobs. Kind of the same scenario as the 120 versus the 850B. We're going to put a lot of stress on that machine. Um, uh, so Matt bid a couple pawn jobs. I should start there. So Matt bid several pawn jobs. And I got to thinking in my head, well, if we get these pawn jobs, it's going to be a lot of work for the B. Maybe we need to be getting a plan together to buy a different dozer. Mm-hmm. So whenever Matt told me he was bidding all these jobs, um, I'm thinking, well, I need to figure out first off, if I bought a different dozer, what would I get? And it came down to two different machines. It was a D6R or an 850J. Okay, so what's my budget need to be? Like, what can, you know, what what can I get for what money? Mm-hmm. And it became real apparent that I was going to need to spend about seventy or $80,000 to get a decent machine, either a D6R or an 850J. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now I'm in my head. If Matt gets one of these pawn jobs, we're just going to do it at the 850B and be done. If Matt gets two of these pawn jobs, we need to be at least having a backup plan for the 850B. Like, I don't know if I want to spend the money on a new dozer, but I want to maybe see if I can't find another cheap 850B or just have something mm-hmm. available to us. Third scenario, if Matt gets all three of these pawn jobs, we're going to spend $80,000 on a dozer. We're going to find one. Mm-hmm. So two months go by. 
I'm still kind of loosely shopping for dozers, just seeing what's out there. I'm not making phone calls, not looking to purchase anything. Window shopping. Just watching the market yeah. on these dozers. Um, watching the market on these dozers, kind of confirming my budget's good. And then I'm also working about what am I going to do to finance this? How much money am I going to put down? How much money am I going to finance? Yada, yada, yada. Uh, so, you know, that carries on down the road. Well, Matt gets all three pawn jobs. We need a dozer. So once I make the decision to buy a dozer, I go on Machinery Trader, Facebook, whatever it is. I look down through there. The first dozer that meets my criteria, I call. Mm-hmm. If I like it, I buy it. <laughs> you know, yeah. at that point, the decision's made. Uh, and I buy a lot of equipment sight unseen. <laughs> Actually, the only dozer I've ever went and looked at in person was the 850J I bought. That was an absolute disaster. The first one? The first one. Yeah. So I, awesome I would have been better off buying it sight unseen, feeling a whole lot better about it than actually going and looking at it. Mm-hmm. Um, time's money. I ain't wasting my money driving over across the country to kick a damn track when I don't know what's really going to be wrong with the dozer until I get on the job site anyways. Right. And I got a theory. If I was dumb enough to buy it, so, so will somebody else. Yep. Kick Kicking on down the road. I've I've since adapted that theory, and uh, it works. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's that damn simple. It works very well. So... Basically, the whole thought process of buying it, I'm, not, I'm looking at equipment for just what's available, what size do I want, what, what's my budget. Mm-hmm. Once the decision's made to buy it, then it's get it done. First one that meets every criteria. First one that meets the criteria is coming home with me. Yeah. That simple. I don't care if it's in Seattle. I don't care if it's in Michigan. I don't care if it's in Florida. I don't care if it's in Texas. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's two miles, two hours up the road at CNC Equipment. Right. You know, that's, it's, it's a done deal. Um, so, you know, the whole, and it was kind of that way with Bubba Dumper too, Bubba mm-hmm. Dump is <clears throat> if I was going to get a haul truck, 25 to 30 ton, 30 to $40,000, good running order. You know, I didn't want to have to get too carried. I want, I wanted good bones. I knew, I knew at that budget, I was going to be buying problems. Right. There's no way around it. Yeah. But you want to know what problems you're buying. Right. You get to pick and choose and, at that point. And, I'd knocked $5,000 off that because it was an auction truck, you know, mm-hmm. and it met all the criteria. I thought about it for six, eight months, you know, window shopping, making sure I was making the right decision. Boom, here it is. Right. So, um, I don't know. I go about it probably a lot different than most people. That's about how I go about things, so. it. Uh, but, but, again, we're just two idiots with microphones. <laughs> Um, and I don't want to lead anybody down the wrong path. I mean, I've. Oh yeah, what works for you might not work for. Somebody yeah, else. what works for me may not work for somebody else. And not every decision I've every, I've bought one piece of equipment. It was a 450G, John Deere dozer, sight unseen out of New Orleans. I didn't get hurt on it, but I didn't make any money on it either. It was, I don't want to say I got took, but it was. Um, the other one was the 850J I bought from Clint at CNC Equipment and. You know, I felt horrible for Clint because that was as much my fault as it was his. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there's a whole podcast about that. Me and him have worked yeah. that out and become good friends. Cooler heads prevailed. And <clears throat> I, I hate that. I hate the way that it went down. But I'm thankful that me and him have become really good friends out of it. Right. You know, and I don't know if we would have otherwise. Yeah. And Clint's YouTube channel is taking off. and He's having a tremendous amount of success with it. And I could not be happier for him. Mm-hmm. That's CNC Equipment on YouTube. CNC Equipment on YouTube, which is also a podcast on this channel with Clint. We talk about the whole dozer and the scenario and 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 the whole thing. But, uh, but yeah, it's, you know, I think we, don't we have a podcast about buying equipment. We do. I just. Um, it's where you talk about your trade secret of the battery hold down. Yes, that's right. <laughs> it's got a battery hold down. It's a good piece of equipment. That's right. <laughs> I use that actually now. And, uh, it's uh, if somebody took enough care of that piece of machinery to keep the battery held down on it, they yep. took care of everything else. That's right. I can promise you. Mm-hmm. I can promise you. Um, do you often bounce ideas off friends or family, or do you just uh, keep the decision making in between your ears? No, um, family not so much because um, my family's all self-employed. We covered this a little bit with Grandma's podcast, I think, didn't we? Mm-hmm. And they're all in just totally different stuff than what I'm doing. Right. 
Whenever my grandpa was right, uh, grandpa's got dementia now. Whenever he uh, was in his prime, uh, business-wise, not equipment purchases, but just business-wise, I'd bounce some ideas off of him. And uh, my stepdad, Barry, which we've had on the podcast, I talk with him some stuff time to time, and it's more about investment stuff, not actual, Right. I call business, business stuff. Um, as far as, like, equipment purchases and stuff, First rule is don't tell Jenna until after it's purchased. Obviously. Because you'll never buy anything. Mm -hmm. Because we'll have to be a woman and talk about it forever. (laughs) Uh, No disrespect. But, um, you know, with Matt knowing what the workload is and Matt knowing the profitability of each piece of equipment, um, you know, me and Matt will discuss that a little bit about what's going on. Uh, Whenever I was in business with josh harris in the construction business which we got a podcast with josh as well mm-hmm. um that's one thing i really enjoyed about being in business with him is we we looked at stuff completely different so he could have a wild ass harebrained idea i could have a wild ass harebrained idea and it was nice to kind of either bounce it off each other and kind of cancel each other out bring us back to reality or every once in a while we'd both say hey let's try that and and kind of go for it right so to answer your question, yes and no. Uh, that was a politician answer, wasn't it? It sure was. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, the ultimate decision comes down to me now. Yeah. Uh, but um, I guess, do you like to brainstorm on your own, or do you like to brainstorm with other people? I brainstorm on my own. So basically, let's just use the 210 excavator possible purchase as an example. Um, I'll tell Jenna I'm getting ready to buy one. So if she sees 200 grand missing out of the account, she at least knows where it went. Mm-hmm. She won't know when it's going to happen, though. I'll tell Matt, hey, you know, this is on my radar. What work do you see is out there for it? What do you think as far as how we're going to go about bidding jobs in the future? Like, doing the scenarios. Like, hypothetically, we put this into the yeah. fleet. What's uh, does this open us up to X jobs? Does this close us off to X jobs? What's the profitability on X jobs? A two ten excavator on a big job is more profitable. A two ten excavator on a smaller job is not. Right. It's that simple. So what's the, where's where's that threshold of where we need to do an excavator break at mm-hmm. type scenario? But um, at the end of the day, it kind of comes down to what the finances look like versus the workload, and that's the ultimate two decision makers. Right. Um, is is where it's at. Um, Bubba Dump Bubba Dump was not bought at the most opportune time, coming out of winter, mm-hmm. uh, low cash flow. You know, going into tax season, yada yada yada. But then again, see an opportunity, you kind of got to jump on it. So right, it, it is what it is. So I've got uh, I got oh, I'd say two. Depending on what it is, um, everyday things, I've probably got four people that I, I bounce ideas off of. Um, one of them is, is Brandon. He's been on my channel before. He's one of my best friends, if not my best friend. Um, I tend to bounce a lot of ideas off you. We tend to think a lot alike, so sometimes that helps, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> um, I'm not shouting opinions. No. I have a I have a good friend. His name's Jason. At some point, I'd like to have him on this podcast and his wife. Uh, I value his opinion. His opinion. He's a very, very, very level-headed person, um, and he's really good at seeing a lot of different angles that I'd never thought of, and then I bounce ideas off my wife. Um She's not like Jenna in that sense. <laughs> if uh, if we make the decision that we're going to make X move or X purchase or something like that, and she's on board with it, I mean, it happens now. Yeah. There is no. Jenna just, um, she has very little interest in the business as far as, as long as it makes money and mm-hmm. I'm out of her hair. She just kind of lets, which I'm very fortunate she lets me do a lot. Because I'm honestly, at this point, I'm living my dream. Oh, yeah. Playing with big boy toys in the sandbox. I mean, what more can I ask for? So as long as she can keep cash and a paycheck from the company account every week, she pretty much stays off my butt a little bit. Mm -hmm. 
And, um, you know, as far as financially, she's not, she's technically a part owner of the business, but she's not financially obligated to do anything to the business. So it, yeah. she's got her own job, her own, her own thing. So, Oh yeah. And I, I meant that as absolutely no disrespect. Yeah, no, no, it, it, it's, it's total. Yeah. I just, for me, I mean, I'm not on Facebook or anything like that. So like recently I, I can just, I tell her I need a jackhammer right, or something like that. And well, why do you need a jackhammer? Oh, I need a jackhammer for X, Y, and Z. Okay. Well, that makes logical sense. So we'll get a jackhammer. What is what is a reasonable price to be spending? What are some reasonable or what are we looking for? You know, making model wise because she doesn't know anything about jackhammers. Right. And basically, I can say, okay, I want a X, Y, or Z jackhammer, and I'm willing to spend up to six hundred dollars used. And I kid you not, by within twenty four hours, she'll probably have five or six options for me. <laughs> And like this is this is how we've been doing making purchases recently, um, you know it's <laughs> we decide we prioritize what we need or what project has to get done and what we need to purchase to make that project get done, and when we go through that list, it's there's things in there that we have to buy obviously, and if we can buy them used, um, I tell her we're looking for this that or this, and we're not spending any more than this. If I told my wife to go shop for a jackhammer, she'd probably come back with horse trailers or something. <laughs> and then yeah. Not yeah, I mean, uh, what was the last thing that we got? Um, I thought I was shopping for bulldozers one day, and she wanted to know if that's the thing that had the scoop on it. <laughs> no, dear. <laughs> no, dear. Yeah. Oh, the last thing was the lawnmower. Yeah. Um, you know, she we needed a zero turn. I told her, you know, it's going to be a, a skag X mark. Or a Toro, I would prefer it to be a, a Skag or an X Mark. You you like Skags? Um, I like Skags just because we have a good we had a good dealer here, right? Which was very yeah. important to me. And uh, I, most people don't know I I started being a mechanic as a small engine mechanic, and we were an X Mark dealer, so I knew X Marks right. inside and out. So I was comfortable with that. And it basically came down to okay, well, we want if it's going to be a Skag, it's going to be a, a Turf Tiger. If it's going to be an X Mark, it's going to be a Laser Z. Uh, if it's an X mark, I want a 60 inch deck. If it's a Skag, it's going to be a 61. We want something with under 3,000 hours, and we want something that looks like it's not beat to hell. And she looked on that for a while because there wasn't much. She showed me a couple of options, and then um, we just kind of let it lie for a little bit. And then randomly, she just she sent me a text message while we were at work. She found a mower, sent me a screenshot of, it, and I was like, "Oh, that's the mower," <laughs> you know. Yep. And, and we went and got it that weekend, but um, you know it's it it makes my life easier. But again, for that purchase, I I talked to Brandon because Brandon worked at that small engine shop with me, and he agreed with me too that X Mark is the way to go. But then when I told him about the dealer being in town for Skag, he's like, "Well, then I would probably go Skag for obvious reasons." And I'm like, "Yeah, because I'm going to fix it myself, so I want to get parts." And I talked to you about it, got your opinion, because, you know, you're more familiar with the area around here. We just lost our video, didn't we? Yeah, we just lost our video feed for people watching on YouTube. That's ah. all right. We're getting ready to wrap her up anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, so I talked to Brand- I talked to you about the terrain that we'd be out here and, and what your experience was with Skag, and then um, I didn't need to talk to Jason for that one. And uh, I talked to Ashton, and, and she she found it. Yeah. And long story short, we unloaded the lawnmower today. <laughs> yeah, put the deck back on, and you actually cut the grass a little bit. Well, I'm 10 feet. That's more than I cut. <laughs> well, with all that being said, hopefully that helps uh, helps you guys out a little bit on kind of our thought process of... And one more point here to wrap it up. Okay. All right. How much of your planning or your planning strategies would you credit to being where you are today? I'd like to say a lot, but I think it'd be a lie. Um, I'd say it's 50% planning and 50% work ethic. I'd agree with that. Is probably how I would, I think those are the, probably the two most important things is if I, I think longer waits prove of this. Um, and I don't mean this in the wrong way, and I think you'll understand this. I know what you're going to try and say, because I, I would agree with you. Um, hard work can overcome a lot of bad decisions. Yes. 
um, if you just keep trying. Our, our hard work can, can overcome a lot of bad planning. Yeah. But good planning can make that a lot easier. Yes. I would like to say that almost none of my planning skills have got me where I am today. I've gotten to where I am today by not giving up, a lot of dumb luck, and a lot of help from people around me. But I am hoping to make the next few, the future plans much better now that I've learned right. how to, I've right. corrected the issues that I've had. With I think to make good plans, though, you got almost got to have to make good plans that are realistic. You almost have to have to have, to have some experience to do that. Yeah, that's it, that's. It, I think that's where my my problem was previously is I didn't uh, have a firm grasp on what a uh, what's the word I'm looking for on something that was even possible. I yeah, guess well, reality, realistic, yeah. realistic or reality. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's oh, I'm gonna. I'm going to move down to Indiana and be a millionaire by Tuesday. You know, oh, all right, sounds good. Well, no, um, let's back up a step here and think about this. Right, you right. Know? So I would say that I, I started getting, started realizing where I needed to make changes uh, about two and a half, three years ago, and and things have been looking up since then. So, you know. yeah, and that goes back two and a half, three years ago. You can't, you can't expect overnight success. No. Oh, no. No, I'm still far from where yeah. I would consider success, but I feel like I'm walking on the right path at least. Yeah, yeah. Um, progress, progress. So, well, hopefully you guys enjoyed the episode. We're uh, going to try to do a few more before we wrap this season up. Yeah. And uh, this one will probably be after our live feed. Yeah. Hopefully. For possibly. sure. See what happens. But, uh, yeah, hopefully you guys enjoy listening. Comment down below what subjects you may want us to uh, – cover next hopefully we can maybe get mr millennial on talk about ben jobs that seems to be a pretty popular one um get a lot of requests too for camera gear that one's kind of hard to cover on a podcast but we may try to do may try to do something at some point so but, camera uh, gear only or camera gear and podcast stuff i guess we could do both might be able to make an hour with podcast stuff too have to comment down below see if that's something they're interested in so yeah that's true but thanks for listening, guys, and uh, as always, we'll uh, catch you on the next one. See you. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.